You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all your latest info and behind the scenes juice on Bachelor in Paradise. And he's interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. Thank you for tuning in. I'm sure you all tuned in last week to hear part one of the Kenny King interview. Today, you're going to get part two. Before we get to that, please uh, rate, subscribe, and review an Apple Podcasts. It definitely helps the podcast. I would really appreciate it. We taped this interview with Kenny a couple weeks ago. I'm taping this particular open before we get into the interview on Wednesday. September 27th, so the day before you're hearing this for the first time, assuming you're hearing it when it's being released. And today on my column, I just posted that Kenny was part of Ari's season. Uh, yesterday there was, or Tuesday, there was a group date, a wrestling group date in Port Wainimi at a rec center there. Eight girls, four one-on-one matches. Kenny showed up, wrestled Ari in the beginning, even threw in a comment there about, <laughs> I'm here to deliver a message from Peter, or Peter paid me ten grand to beat your ass, or... Something like that. Anyway, uh, pretty funny. But yeah, obviously that's not brought up in this podcast, nor did I even know about it. It's not like, I think some people might get the misconception that because these people are on the podcast, I'm now like BFFs with them and I text them all the time and they tell me all this stuff about the show. It's like, no, Kenny didn't even, Kenny never told me he was going on the show, nor did I uh, expect him to. So, but of course I did find out about it, uh, and I thought it was funny. So, yeah, obviously that's not talked about. Uh, we do begin uh, this podcast by talking about Kenny's wrestling career. So I hope you all enjoy this, and I hope you all enjoy part two of the Kenny King interview. Okay, I want to talk about your uh, wrestling career uh, a little bit. I, I For the people who don't know, I mean, this is, this is your job. You... Uh, you're in a federation called Ring of Honor. Uh, you've been in other federations before. You've been in TNA and Impact. TNA was Impact, right? Or Impact was yeah, TNA. yeah, yeah. Okay. TNA was Impact, and Impact was TNA, and okay. you know, it was a lot of different. Uh, I mean, the, the the flagship TV show has always been named Impact. Yeah, but at first it was TNA Impact. And then they just kind of wanted to brand the name Impact. Like this, all that kind of some of this happened when I was there when they wanted to just really brand the name Impact. Um, so like the, there would be TNA pay per views, but the, but the the TV show would be Impact. And, but and, and for that's those that don't confusing. know, yeah, and for those that don't know, TNA does not stand for what you the, think it does. It stands does for total non stand for that. <laughs> total nonstop right. action is is what it was. So just tell everybody, how did you get started in wrestling? Well, reality, Steve. I was on another reality TV show called Tough Enough. Um, yes, I remember. Two thousand and one. Basically, like the, the the easiest way to think about it, like now is like the Ultimate Fighter. It's like the precursor to the Ultimate Fighter, but just for wrestling. It took eight men and five women of all sort of athletic backgrounds. They trained to become pro wrestlers, and they gave uh, you know two contracts to the WWE uh, WWF at the time. Uh, at the end of the competition. The competition was 12 weeks. Well, the funny thing is, when I saw that, well, uh, as we mentioned earlier, I briefly touched on it, but I'm a huge, huge wrestling fan going way back years. And I remember I watched all the Tough Enoughs back then. But when you came on the show, when I found out you were a contestant, and then I even you know, had seen, okay, this guy is in Ring of Honor. It never dawned on me that you were on one of those seasons that I had watched. Like, I just never, wow, I, I didn't remember it. But I did remember when I looked at the winner. Who won your season again? Uh, it was the, the controversy season where uh, Linda Miles and Jackie gave Well, you just cut out again. Or you just cut out right Oh, sorry. It was the, uh, where Linda Miles and Jackie Gata That's right. Okay. Won. That's right. And Jackie ended up going on and... Kind of got herself a little role for a while there in WWF. I believe she was Jamie Noble's manager or something like that. Or am I mixing yeah, her up? Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, so did she, Linda. She run, Linda yeah. was uh, managing the Bashams. And That's Jackie right. Jackie even w- went on to, uh, to actually my first run. 
like stick around wrestling talk uh, longer than Linda was, but uh, Jackie was able to kind of like bounce around and kind of do her thing, um, you know, after winning that. Yeah, I remember. That's right. Okay, so that was your season. I just didn't remember that you were on that season until I was looking yeah, it up. Yeah, and yeah it was me. Research. It was me and the guy with the. Uh, do you remember the big Jack dude, Jake, with the little triangle mohawk and the, <laughs> kind, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were the four finalists: it was myself, Jake, Jackie, and Linda. God, I totally every, for, you know, I totally forgot that that was. That was a real thing, man. Uh, yeah, I really I know. Um, Okay, so explain to everybody, like, kind of as a wrestler what your schedule is like on a weekly basis, monthly basis, whatever the case may be? Uh, you know, it really just depends on the, uh, the amount of shows that you have in a month. Uh, for example, like my August was insane. Uh, I went to, we went to, we had three shows, four shows in the UK. Uh, so I flew to the UK the 14th, 15th, I think of August and then, uh, hung out the next day. And then we had to show that Friday and then we, I uh, went to Liverpool, then we had shows in Edinburgh and Glasgow. Uh, so then I came home for three days, and then uh, I went to Atlanta for Ring of Honor's television taping. So we had two days in Atlanta, came home for three days, and then I went to Mexico uh, to wrestle for CMLL for four days. Uh, so that's, that was my August. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, but my September has been fantastic. Like I, I really had the opportunity to be home and actually like see my kid and, uh, and like be normal. Uh, and my only two shows this month are this Friday and Saturday and they're in Vegas. So I don't have to travel at all. Uh, so that is the beauty of the ring of honor schedule. Uh, it depends on obviously which wrestling company you work for. Uh, your schedule can be way more or, you know, way less. It depends. You see, Having followed just basically WWE and during in, in late nineties, early two thousands, you know the WCW, WWE, or WWF wars, the Monday Night Wars. I mean, those are the only two federations I've really ever watched. I'm aware of the other ones. I do watch a little bit of NXT, which is the WWE's minor league now, and I'll see that on occasion. But because you work for so many different federations, how exactly does it work? Do you have a different name for each federation, or are you the Pretty Boy Pitbull, Kenny King, or is that not even your name anymore? What did you? What do you go by now? No, well, see, the thing is, you, you the the idea is to make yourself a name. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as you travel, you know, the, the world. Uh, wrestling and you know working for different federations and being on television in different places and pay-per-view in different places and people get to see you you know you build your name which is a thing that's happening in wwe now where guys are getting to come in with their names before it was a thing like didn't matter what your name was once you got to nxt uh, or even back in my day, OVW, uh, you were getting, they were going to change your name. They were going to give you a whole new name and a whole new thing that they could trademark. Uh, they're not doing that anymore because guys are, are literally try, you know, WWE isn't the only place to make a living pro wrestling anymore, which is a fantastic, beautiful thing. Um, so guys are coming from, you know, Japan and other companies like Samoa Joe and AJ Styles and, you know, they're going to come in and, and use their names and be who they are because they've already built their name. So, you know, the, the idea is if you're successful, then you've, and you, and you've built a character and you've built a name for yourself, then you get to keep it, you know, no matter where you go. So it's just Kenny King or is it the pretty boy? Pit uh, it's, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different things, you know, this pretty boy, Pitbull, Kenny King, the international playboy, Kenny King, 2017's Parker Lewis, Kenny King. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> just, it just depends. On uh, on the day, okay, gotcha. but Pretty Boy Pitbull has been the. Uh, I actually, when I first started off, I was the natural Kenny King. Okay, so uh, see, to the average fan, and I'm guessing most people that are listening to this right now have a preconceived notion about wrestling. Sure. In general, it's fake. It's silly. I can't believe people watch it. I've been a fan since sixth grade. The first time I got hooked was when I saw on VHS after it had happened. I didn't see it live on pay per view, but. After WrestleMania three at the Pontiac Silverdome in front of ninety three thousand, when Hogan beat Andre, I was sold at that point. And but to the average person who doesn't follow it and doesn't understand it, it can you explain to people what wrestling is and what it means to you? Yeah, uh, you know it's actually kind of easy because 
um, a lot of people don't really, it's, it's the preconceived notion. So the whole thing about professional wrestling is that it's suspension and disbelief. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're not familiar with the term of suspension, uh, suspension, and disbelief, just think about it. You're suspending your disbelief. So let's, let's break it down. Let's say, let's look at a movie that just came out. Everybody loved it. Everybody loved Guardians of Galaxy, right? Guardians of Galaxy. It was, volume two was, was really good. Did you see it? Yes. The first okay. one. I haven't seen the second one. Okay, well, one. let's 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 even use the first one as an example. Just as an example, everybody knows in real life that Zoe Saldana isn't a green-skinned, <laughs> you know, warrior with superhuman strength. Yeah. But because uh, it's it's the environment in which it is, you know, the she's being played in a movie. The the set is done well the special effects are done well everything is done well you suspend your disbelief that that's zoe saldana not no that's gamora not zoe saldana so yeah. professional wrestling is the exact same thing you know deep down it's 2017 bro everybody knows that we're not trying to kill each other but if you come to the shows and you watch the live action you watch the athleticism and you get involved in the storylines you're able to suspend your disbelief of the fact that it's not an at, an actual athletic contest. You know, the the fact that it's predetermined is, you know, the thing that everybody wants to harp on. But uh, it's the only it's it's live theater. Uh, it's it's athletic live theater. It's live, yeah. live safe combat. It doesn't matter what happens on a Monday Night Raw or Friday on pay-per-view. Everything you see is was a created that day and b. You know, nobody, we didn't have months and, and, and weeks to rehearse and take. It's happening right there, live action. So if I get kicked in the face and blackout, which has happened, Rob Van Dam has actually knocked me out on a pay-per-view. Uh, we still got to go. <laughs> the cameras are still rolling. Everybody's paid their money. Everybody's in attendance. It's still, a, it's still a real thing. So if you were to, to, to kick Chris Pratt in the face during the film and everything stops, cut, cut, cut. Yeah. So. That's uh, you know that's the, the the one thing. It's just it's live action theater. It's one of the only like the the last bastions of live action theater that you can go and witness. So uh, you know once people stop looking at it in terms of oh well he's supposed to win in terms of man that dude just got dropped on his back hard as hell and then got up and wrestled it another eight minutes. Uh, I think that's where the appreciation comes in because every other country, Japan, Canada, Mexico, it's still revered for what it is, which is, you know, people doing dangerous stuff for, for, for other people's amusement. Yeah. I think we've kind of passed that maybe in the eighties and nineties, it was about the outcome. I think people now, like you said, in 2017, we understand it more that it's a lot more, I mean, it's really impressive because, you know, you can say what you want about everyone's favorite television shows, you know, scripted television shows, whether it's whatever, Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones or whatever. Those are all pre-taped. They're not done live. Any, there's tons of screw-ups. You get to start over and whatever. Wrestling that you see on Monday night is happening that night. And these guys are – and obviously the other big thing that has developed over the years is the fact that it's kind of gotten away from – you know, the WWE doesn't even want to use the term wrestling. They want to call right, it right. sports entertainment because not only are there wrestling matches, but over the course of a three-hour Monday Night Raw, there's less than one hour of actual wrestling wrestling. It's a lot of promos, and mic work has become the biggest thing is how are you on a microphone in front of live people? You don't get a second take, Kenny. If you're on the mic and you're cutting up some other wrestler and you screw up, the fans are going to let you know about it and yell, you screwed up, and chant, you screwed up. So, I mean, it's, oh, yes, I know. It, it's, really, <laughs> it's really an amazing thing to watch because as much as a fan as I am, and I watch every Monday nights, you'll get your, you'll get your botched spots every once in a while. But on the mic, these guys are really good, and they take – you take classes to perfect that. It's not just it comes naturally. These guys in the WWE, and I'm sure you yourself, have taken and – you know, an improv class or an acting class because it shows you how to show emotion and how to be on a microphone, correct? Well, you have to, I mean, you don't get to the level, you know, this the, the, this level of professional wrestling if you don't have a character and you can't uh, convey and express who that character is and, and why and the motivations behind what that character is doing. Uh, and, and you have to do it quickly. You know, yeah. you know, every, every, every second of television, every second of pay-per-view, uh, is money. So if company is investing 
90 seconds into you getting on the microphone and talking about it, you better get out there and, and, and get, get it across and get it over fast. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's a thing where like WWE is, is turned into, uh, more of a promos and entertainment. Um, and, and that's kind of why, you know, they've got their own movie, movie studios, but then you got companies like Ring of Honor, which are really kind of like hardcore wrestling base, which, and they, and, and, and on top of the fact still have characters and slap promos. So, uh, you know, there's, there's such a whole spectrum of pro wrestling that you could even enjoy that people don't even realize that kind of exists outside of WWE. If you don't want, you know, if you, if you're more into the promos, uh, and more into the theatrics, there's something for you. If you're into, you know, hard hitting wrestling ring of honors for you, if you're into like, uh, kind of like episodic television, you know, there's Lucha Underground. So there's, there's all kinds of, you know, uh, literally all kinds, all kinds of programming, just like there's all kinds of programming for regular television. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, I mean, WWE has become a weekly soap opera because there's storylines that continue just like your favorite television shows, Grey's Anatomy and Scandal and all that. It's, it's just between wrestlers that are, have their beef in the ring and that ends up, which usually culminates in a pay-per-view bout or two or three, you know, that's just kind of well, the way it, you know? it works. Every 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 you know season of thing on television has a climax and an arc and a story arc and a, and a conclusion. So yeah. wrestling's no different. So for you, did being on the Bachelorette help or hinder your career? Oh well, the exposure always helps. You yeah. know, people uh, it, it helps, and it also doesn't hurt that you know I was I was pretty well received. So uh, you know that uh, <laughs> kind of made me since I'm America's baby face right now. It kind of made me yeah. you know wrestling's baby face right now. So uh, for everybody that doesn't know what I'm talking about, a good guy in wrestling is a baby face, and a bad guy's a heel. So are you uh, in Ring of Honor? Is your character a heel? Uh, no, I'm a baby face oh, now. Baby I was face. a heel. <laughs> I was a heel before, but uh, it would be like swimming upstream for me to be a heel now. So yeah, Let's- and I remember, and I'm, I mean, going back and looking, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna include some of these clips when I post the column. Um, just some of your in-ring promos that you did on when you were with Impact. Um, I'm gonna include those so people can can look and see. Uh, your mic skills. You were definitely a heel back then, or the more the you know kind of the cocky guy or whatever. It was actually yeah, pretty yeah, funny yeah. going back watching those, seeing your character on on Rachel's season. It was just like, okay, all right, this is this is totally different. But I do have one final wrestling question, just for you, kind of nerding out here. And I don't care if the people don't understand this question, but I I need to know it for my own personal thoughts. And maybe you have insight to this, maybe you don't. I would like your opinion on it, though. Do you think at any point that CM Punk comes back to WWE? No, no way. No way, huh? <laughs> no way. Punk is done. Uh, but, you know, Punk's got a contract for, to, to live out in the UFC. However many fights that actually works out to be, we'll see. Uh, I mean, Vince would have <laughs> – listen, you know what? You never say never. Never say never, yeah. pro wrestling, uh, for sure. But the likely – I mean, Vince is going to have to throw him – a, a, a Brinks truck covered in solid gold, uh, <laughs> in order because he just that one he doesn't need the money. Two, he doesn't necessarily need the politics, and of course they're going to let him do whatever he wants to do. But Punk's the kind of guy that is going to push every boundary. Yeah, uh, and and it it doesn't do anything for Punk. And I, so I, I, I don't. And, think and if so. he ever came back, like you said, I mean there have been people in the past who were like, no way is he ever coming back, and you know. Uh, fences eventually got mended and you're just like, wow, it was great to be like, nobody ever thought Eric Bischoff would ever appear on WWE programming. And he did. Um, nobody ever thought Hogan would come back and he did, but with punk, you know, like you said, never say never. My thing with him is if he came back, it would never, it would be under a Brock Lesnar schedule. He would never come back and do full travel and and live shows and stuff like that. There's no way. Exactly. He didn't want want to do that. I would venture and go on a limb to say just because of the kind of guy that Punk is and how how loyal he is to actually just the wrestling business, not any wrestling company, I'd go out and venture to say you'd see Punk in Ring of Honor before you saw Punk in WWE. And that is (laughs) – and the chances of that are slim to none. Yeah. No, I hear you. I mean it's – he went to UFC. He tried it. He lost – 
Who knows if he's going to continue with that? Um, you well, know, he's got to. He's under. He's got a, oh, like he's, a, a, a two. I think a two or three fight deal. So there's you're going to get one more fight at least. And he showed up on MTV's challenge show. He was on that for. Uh, so for, for don't need the money, bro. Yeah. Time to talk about Tracker. We're all looking for something. For some, it's love. For some, it's purpose or unforgettable experiences. But for most, it's your keys. Well, with the TrackR Pixel, you'll never worry about losing your things again. Eight years ago, TrackR changed everything when they released their first tracking device, and now they've done it again with an all-new TrackR Pixel. It is the lightest Bluetooth tracking device on the market. You can place it on whatever you tend to lose the most, keys, wallets, even a pet. I've put it personally on my keys. Always have my phone on me for the most part. My wallet doesn't go very far, so I don't need to put it in there. But I've had it on my keys, and a couple times that I have misplaced my keys, it has worked. When you misplace an item that has a TrackR Pixel attached to it, use your smartphone, and a 90-decibel alert will help you find it in seconds. It has powerful LED lights so you can find things in the dark, and it can help you find your phone even if it's on silent. Better yet, every TrackR user is part of the largest crowd locate network in the world. You can locate items from miles away. And thanks to TrackR's 30-day money-back guarantee, you truly have nothing to lose. So go to the trackr.com, enter promo, enter the promo code Steve to get 20% off any order. That's the trackr.com promo code Steve for 20% off. The trackr, T R A C K R.com promo code Steve. Now the rest of the Kenny King interview uninterrupted. Okay, so let's let's move on a bit. Uh get back to the Bachelor franchise real quickly here. Um Bachelor in Paradise. Was this ever a possibility for you? Why didn't you do it? Uh, it was a possibility. Actually, I considered it pretty hard. Um, I wanted to, uh, but I had to go back to work, man. I, yeah. you know, when I went back, um, we had this, the World of Worlds tour. We do joint shows with New Japan Pro Wrestling, and we did, I think, like Detroit, Toronto, Philly, Chicago, and New York, and I had to get back to work. Um, and Bachelor in Paradise started May 1st and I, you know, so did, I think our, the Toronto show was on the second. Yeah. So, uh, there was that. And, uh, so it was kind of like, well, could you maybe come a little bit later? And then there was a period of time where, uh, I, you know, I was like, okay, I'll shoot, I'll shoot for coming maybe like the second week because we also had a pay-per-view in Boston like that the third week. So, uh, it, it just looked like I was going to be able to shoot in for a little bit. And then the whole DeMario Corinne thing uh, happened and then production shot shut down. And then, you know, then that was just the end of that. What do you think? Obviously you weren't there. You've spoken to, I'm sure you've spoken to the guys. I don't know if you've spoken to Mario directly, but what did you think of the whole situation, how it played out? I asked Josiah this. I want to ask you this. Do you think it was, made out to be bigger than it was because it was a black guy and a white girl. Uh yeah. I mean, come on. Let's 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 just look at it for two things. What are we here? At any point in time, there are multiple crew members around you. Yeah. Uh camera person, sound person, possibly producer or two or just three or four. So there's there's no you're not supposed to and they're not supposed to at all interact with the crew or, or the cast and we're not supposed to interact with them but when you i mean the same thing happened with tough enough when you basically live with people you start to interact you start to to get to know them there's not one of those people that i got to know and and i don't know how many of them were on bachelor in paradise but i don't know any of them that would just sit there and let corinne be fucking sexually assaulted and nobody is just gonna stand and just step in and say hey demario she's not registering this or da 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 or yeah. it, you know what i mean so that 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 is where for me before i even got to talk to demario and hear what happened that's where the shit got was was just real just it didn't sound good to me at all because it some any of the producers, any of the camera people, none of the the, the female producers are going to say, "Hey, uh, this doesn't look right." You, you know, I yeah. mean, no, I, just it, it, it that just doesn't that don't sound correct to me. The people that I knew that I know care about you know people on the show more than that. You know, not to let just oh Corinne, we're just going to let her Demario just 
anyway. Yeah. So after that, then you have to look at it like, you know, Corinne, uh, okay, whether she was, uh, and she just never really made it seem like DeMario didn't do anything wrong. You know, she could have definitely, she, she, I felt like, I felt like she hung him out to dry a little bit. Yeah, she absolutely left him hanging out to dry, and it was just kind of on. It's kind of on that bullshit. Like, if you don't, if you, it's one thing if you thought if she was like, no, I don't know what happened, and he could have did it up, but she knew Demario didn't do that shit. She knew what she was doing, and the fact that you know she got caught out there acting a certain way when she was supposed to have something back home, and she wants to pull back now and act like Little Miss Innocent. You know, uh, that was real sideways bullshit and i think that's what allowed the leeway for the press to grab it and turn it into i mean i was on my way somewhere looking walking to the airport and i see this big ass you know us magazine with demario and corinne and i'm like what the hell is this yeah and that's you know where she kind of gave him gave it the leeway because she was just so uh you know well she wouldn't, she wouldn't speak she wouldn't speak on it we had right, her, we right. had her lawyer we had her lawyer giving a statement that was very vague and and the only thing we got out of her was I was a victim that night, but then we didn't find out till two months later when she showed up on the on the taped a you know what she said vict- yeah she left it at the word victim, but she never got into detail. She's saying, oh no, I was a victim of the media. Well, why didn't you say that two months ago when you said the first word? The second you said the word victim, but didn't clarify it immediately. Everybody thought assault you victim, rape victim, you something know like what that. It is. Yeah, and it just it she shouldn't have she handled it poorly. Demario got out in front of it as 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 much as he could. I thought actually DeMario spoke too much. He did too many interviews. But he being in the position that he was in, all he was doing was defending yeah, himself because nobody was nobody was saying death, anything. You know? Yeah. I mean he he defended himself. He had to say what he had to say. But with Corinne just constantly saying nothing and we didn't get to hear from her until she stepped on that stage at ABC, it's just like all right, Corinne, like her silence yeah. spoke louder than anything. Yeah. Because it, because it had people forming opinions because she wasn't exactly. speaking. And especially once she saw them trying to hang DeMario for it is when she should have stepped forward and been like, okay, look, this is what I meant. But I feel she just trying to, you know, square her shit away at home and, oh, well, you know, I really wasn't acting like hey, whatever that, that bullshit was. She needed time to do that before she came out finally Yeah, and whatever. Yeah. No. I mean – um, I mean, I'm glad it's resolved. I think we all understand now that there was no assault that took place. It was two people that were inebriated and hooked up on Paradise, which is what normally happens. Oh. You know, the focus, the focus, and it and it hasn't been on this, and it I don't know if it ever will be on this because it looks like this is pretty much a dead issue now. Is you know, Chris Harrison brought Demario out, he brought Corinne out on separate weeks, uh, and then they were both there at the reunion finale. But still, the whole point is. Why aren't we talking to these producers who were the ones that filed the complaint? The producers that filed the complaint. Why aren't we getting these people on record saying, okay, why did you file what you did when apparently you never even witnessed it? Like, I've been told that these producers didn't even see DeMario and Corinne hooking up. They were just told about things and then they reported it to their superiors and that's why production had to shut down. It's just like, those are the people we should be hearing from. We we already know what DeMario thinks of the situation. We finally heard what Corinne thought. How about... The reason this whole production shutdown happened because two rogue producers who never witnessed it themselves filed a complaint. Like, let's get their answers. So what? What happened? But obviously, it's 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 a month old now, and nobody seems to care. And but yeah, yeah that, nobody. There, it's, <laughs> it's all over. Uh, he, he, uh, it's yeah. all fine and done. So let's uh, so. let's talk a little bit about Peter. Um, since uh, he he is, we know that he's not the Bachelor. And I want to go back to your time on the show with Peter. What was your take on him? Were you friends with Peter? Were you in the clique that wasn't? Not that, I don't think any of the guys genuinely disliked anyone else, but there were definitely cliques in the house of who hung out with who, right? For sure. For sure there were. And, I mean, what, any situ- and what was the clique? What was your clique versus the other clique? I mean, but it was like dudes with cliques within cliques. You know what I mean? Like, especially when you're talking about like 20, 18, 20, 20 guys, you know, okay, once so let's, it starts getting, let's say down to, uh, when you were down to whatever, eight in, in Norway, uh, what were your clicks looking like at that point? Obviously Brian, and Peter uh, you know, I mean, realistically at that point, everybody was, 
that that's kind of the point where everybody's that's the click where everybody's hanging out together like okay. the core people you know what i mean uh there's there's fringe clicks and people hang out with other dudes when there's like 15 people but like there's a, a core of like the same guys the same 12 guys that we that we're in the group chat with every day uh are the same guys that you know we we we, we vibed with from probably like 12 out you know okay that was the weirdest thing it was like it wasn't like three four dudes here three four dudes there the vast majority of us really really got along so did you so you liked peter yeah i liked peter i had nothing you know i had, I had nothing bad to say about peter um i would definitely say peter's like cl- probably closer to dean than he is to me but you know that's yeah. just how it goes like in, in a circle you 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 know you gravitate toward different dudes but uh i like peter peter's a good guy genuine dude um i i understand you know <laughs> peter uh you don't uh, you know if you don't say will you marry me if you're not there that's just that's a, I, to me that's disrespectful to the woman yeah you know i completely get it i i get yeah i get the other hand well peter what did you come on here for if you knew da 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 well i think we all went on there just to see who knew the, none of us knew where we would end up uh and it's it's just one of those things you know but why would you obviously they both had feelings for one another but why would you fake it why would you say something to a woman if uh, that that ramifications if you don't really mean it you know with your whole heart so if you didn't see if you had no problem with what peter said in the breakup with rachel just like look i'm just i i can't propose did you have any problem with how rachel handled that conversation with him uh well you know i mean i thought rachel was a little salty adam you know i i i felt rightfully so you know it's it's an emotional situation you know they she had obviously a lot of feelings for peter uh and she wanted it to to be a certain way and you know, I think Rachel's logical enough to where if she were to step back and maybe even now she's, you know, to when she steps back and thinks about it, uh, would she, would she rather Peter just kind of said, okay, fine. You know, like, I don't know if you've ever seen Martin, you remember the old show Martin, oh, where yeah. like Gina, he finally met, proposes to Gina is like, damn, Gina, will you marry me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody wants that like no there's not a woman in the world that will settle for that she wants that man to with every fiber of his being want to get down on his knee and propose so she's smart enough to know that if that's not where he was at then that's just what it was you know do you think on the after the final rose that she her still a little bitter and she could have handled herself a little bit better or did you not have a problem with what she said about hey i'm living my great life or Whatever. I mean, listen, man. We all we, we all understand who Rachel is, you know. So I don't have a problem with Rachel being Rachel. That was a very Rachel response. That was Rachel, you know, a little taking a jab, but kind of just you know showing that she's doing all right. It's just yeah. there's there's a little a little sugar and spice that comes with Rachel. That's <laughs> that's who she is, you know. <laughs> um, and. What do you think of Rachel and Brian together? Like, do you think they're going to get married? I mean, I don't know what you've heard or anything, or do you think this is a couple that succeeds based on anything that you've heard, witnessed, seen? You know, people always want to forget that Brian got the first impression rose. You know, people. people And got the first makeout and got the two makeouts that first night. Brian was in there like swimwear. When I watched the show, I was like, damn, Brian kissed her that night. <laughs> you know I mean? Oh, you didn't even know. Who how would I know? You know, I, I didn't, I didn't know, know if he I talked no about idea. it or said anything. Oh. No, you know, it was it was mostly a gentleman's game in there. Nobody really went in there bragging on, on what they did and when they did it. Um but you know, watching it was like, Well damn, well damn. So it you you gotta see that there was a spark right from the jump with Brian and Rachel. Uh, so, uh, you know, whether, whether they want to get married, I, I, I like, I love them both. I want them both to be happy. Yeah. I don't know what the future holds. I, you know, I think that they, uh, I think they got a good, they got a good, you know, a, a good, what's we'll call like a, a, a foundation they, base. They do. And they have a good runway. You know what I mean? They've, they've got a lot of what it takes 
to make it. I mean, I've seen people that I thought were going to be together forever break up. So, uh, this is a crazy thing in life and love, but yeah, no, it, you know, I think that they, they're, they're, they're smart. They get each other. Uh, and I think that they kind of understand the situation, um, more, more importantly than all of that. Oh, they're so in love that I think they both understand the situation and are mature enough to, you know, to play in those parameters. So, was, you know, best of luck to them. Yeah, it's tough enough to carry on a regular relationship, let alone one coming from television and where so many people are invested and think they have an opinion on your relationship. Yeah, I mean, right. it's, it's not easy. And um, But if you're looking at the track record of this show, the Bachelorette couples, even if they haven't gotten married, have at least lasted longer than the Bachelor guys. It just... It's just the way it's been. I mean, it's fact. Uh, you look at the twenty-two bachelor or the twenty-one previous bachelor seasons. One guy married the final girl that he chose. Bachelorettes. I think you've had three marriages, and two couples are still together, or something like that. So yeah, I, did, I so, did not know that. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's why you come to me. I'm the expert here. Um, you the guy. You are the guy. <laughs> you are definitely the guy. Okay. Let's uh, let's finally wrap this up with is what I call the rapid ten, where I've got ten random questions. Some are show related, some are wrestling related, some are personal, and we'll just go uh, with your answer and just whatever you feel like answering. Go ahead and answer it that way. So, okay. Um, question number one. I'm sure there are a few, but who would be the one guy? you'd want to be in a match with right now if you could. Past or present. So fantasy booking, any one match you'd like to see yourself in right now? Uh, it, it, it's got to be me and AJ. Really? I've been wanting to wrestle AJ Styles for – I've been following AJ Styles around the, around the world for years, uh, and every time I get to, get to a place, he leaves it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so right now, I mean – AJ Styles. AJ Styles. I mean, I've wanted. I've wrestled Shelton Benjamin in tag matches before. I've never wrestled them in a singles match, but uh, I've never wrestled AJ. So, and Shelton just back on uh, on television. And Shelton's back. Yeah. yeah. Uh, question number two: the funniest behind the scenes moment from the Bachelorette season that we never got to see. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll tell this one because it's it, I, it's it involves me. Okay. Um, so there's uh everybody from here on out if you ask anybody just just when you interview anybody just ask them about Kenny's bubble bath. Uh oh. So you know you know the song the future song uh Percocet Molly Percocet. Yes. Right? So that was like the that was the theme song for for the bachelorette for whatever reason like it got stuck in our heads and we would all just like pass it back and forth to one another. So after the I can't remember. I think this might have been the day before the uh, day before everybody went on the, the basketball date. The oh, who's this day? Yeah. <laughs> um, we everybody was downstairs playing games, charades, or whatnot. And I, we've been drinking, and I was a little hammered, so I was like, "Well, shit, man, this is the perfect time because we had, there was big ass jacuzzi." Uh, upstairs in the, in the mansion. So I was like, man, this would be a perfect time. I'm hopping that jacuzzi, chill out, whatever. So everybody's downstairs. I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to take a bubble bath. I like bubble baths. I'm not ashamed to say so. But uh, I guess I was hammered, not paying attention, whatever. So I'm in this bath and I turn on the jacuzzi. I'm soaking, relaxing, doing my thing. I look up, open my eyes. There's 11 feet of bubbles all over the fucking place. So I'm like, shit uh all right and you know the alcohol doesn't have me really thinking uh clearly so i said all right why well, if i walk in if anybody walks in here and there's all these bubbles they're gonna clown me or there's gonna, this is gonna get on uh <laughs> this is gonna get on camera so i need to get these bubbles out of here fast so i'm shoveling bubbles from the bathtub and trying to drop them in the shower, like running. So, <laughs> so the visual is me carrying bubbles and carrying bubbles with my naked ass running across there, <laughs> shoveling bubbles like a dump truck in there. Uh, doesn't really work out. There's bubbles everywhere. So I get back in the tub. Not really. Uh, it just really didn't work. I got like, the first layer off i'm back in the tub i don't care so one of the uh <laughs> one of the pas 
kind of just like, well, I guess he was looking for me because I'd been up there forever. And he kind of looks at me and I like peek out at him over the bubbles and he just says, hmm, and walks away. <laughs> within, I'm, I'm pissed that wasn't used as an outtake. Within three or four minutes, here comes cameras and mics and everything. So at this point, I just start singing bubble bath, Kenny's bubble bath, hey, bubble bath, Kenny's bubble bath. And that stuck. Every, we sang that uh, everywhere. And it never got shown. That sucks. It never got shown. Not even an out. I like, legit, that would have been a perfect, like, like they would have never used that in the two hours the show airs. But that outtakes where they do funny stuff, like that would have been perfect for the outtakes. Or even, right, the, right. even the blooper show. Like how did that not make the blooper show? You in a bubble bath. No idea. <laughs> no idea. That was a running joke with producers, camera people, everybody on the cast. I think the only person that didn't know about it was Rachel. But yeah. Did you uh, did you by any chance hear Jose- when I asked Josiah the same question? Did you hear what his funny story was? No. Or his funny. He talked about the fact that they couldn't get a black barber on the show. Oh my god! Yes. Yeah, this, <laughs> this was the most ridiculous. He had, thing. He's like, look, let's face it. They've been mostly white people on this show. They did not have anybody that could cut a black guy's hair, and we were pissed. And we had to, we literally kept saying, they brought somebody and he was what, ter- and he was terrible. They brought somebody in that was like, no, he didn't know what he's doing. Well, here's the thing. Like it was, it was one of those things where we said it, it was a meeting we had after, after the, 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 like the first row ceremony and everybody was in the house the very next day, uh, you know, the, the producers, Alon and, and Bennett came in and we had a meeting about that, about, okay, we're going to do our best to make sure that, <laughs> and the joke is still long. The joke is short haircut guys and long haircut guys. Right. Yeah. So obviously he said, we've never had this many short haircut guys on the show before. So, we're go- so, but we made it a thing like, Hey, we need a barber, like a barber that maybe, you know, not, he doesn't necessarily have to look like us, but someone who is a barber, like a barber, barber, barber. The first guy they brought was a fantastic dude. Loved him, but he was a fucking hairstylist. <laughs> so, and, and the first, and the kiss of death here was when he, when he says, well, I heard, I hear we have a lot of African American gentlemen here today. We're like, ah, shit, yeah. we're dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Josiah told that story. That was funny because, yeah, I mean, they, when have they really ever needed them? They usually get what, like one or two guys no. a season that are black and they last one or two episodes. They don't really care. Like, that's it. That's <laughs> it. Trust me. We had to wait, uh, not until we got to uh, South Carolina did they find us yes. two Dominican guys to cut our hair. Yeah. That's and what it said. was popping in there. Like, you, you would have thought it was like Ice Cube's barbershop. Dudes <laughs> were out there chilling playing dice it was popping in there like the music was on yeah. we were having a good time yeah he said South Dude's Carolina. haircuts actually looked good yeah. i had to, i brought my i had to give i had to give the stylist my outliner so that he could edge guys up like <laughs> like who who hired this dude like what what was the point god that's funny so. um okay question number three god that was one question uh question number three do you have an ultimate goal when it comes to your wrestling career like, is your ultimate goal to get to the WWE? Uh, well, that's a, that's an odd question because uh, it used to be. Um, but uh, little known fact is that I was negotiating with WWE before the uh, before I signed a contract with the ROH this year, and the big thing is this: I can't move to Orlando, Florida. I can't. You know, going to NXT is, it would be a very difficult thing because I have joint custody of my daughter in Nevada. Yeah. And, uh, if I were to move, that kind of puts a lot of my shit, uh, just in, in jeopardy. So, you know, that's kind of where, like, you know, I, I'd spoken with William Regal and it doesn't, you know, a couple good conversations, but it always fizzles out when it comes to, okay, when can you move to Florida? Because, uh, <laughs> you know, I can't. Yeah. So, um, hmm. you know, so that changes things a little bit for me. It's like, all right, yeah. Do I want my WrestleMania moment? Yeah, I do. I think everybody, you know, I think that everybody who wrestles wants those three letters on their resume because it starts to validate you in a way. But I'm not, you know, I think the goal ultimately always was just to be able to support myself through pro wrestling, you know, I want to be able to make a living, a good living, 
off of pro wrestling where I don't have to work anywhere else. I don't have to support my wrestling habit. Um, and I've been doing that now for like six years. So most guys go their whole career and have to work two or three jobs just to wrestle, you know? Yeah. So as I get older in my career, I mean, I've been doing this for 16 years. I'm 36. Um, you know, the WWE doesn't necessarily, is not the end all be all for me. I, right now, I think my, my closest, uh, big attainable goal, I want to wrestle for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, I will trade, uh, a WrestleMania moment for a Wrestle Kingdom moment at the Tokyo Dome, you know? Nice. So, uh, that is very attainable. Our Ring of Honor, we have a very good relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling. New Japan Pro Wrestling is, you know, uh, is is I don't know how you know I don't know how much you know about them, but they're essentially WWE of the Far East. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, that's where AJ Styles, Shinsuke, the, uh, Gallows and Gun, that's where all those guys were before they came to WWE. They were in New Japan. Yeah, no, I've, I've never watched it, but I'm obviously being a fan. I'm familiar with it. I know that's right, right, where right. a lot of guys come from. But yeah, have I ever seen a match there? Uh, maybe a long time ago, but yeah, uh, sure. And so I've heard it referenced numerous a, times. You know, it's a, uh, for guys in the business, like wrestling in Japan is kind of like a badge of honor because in Japan it's still, you know, revered as a sport, like revered as a sport, you know. Um, so who, who knows where all this is going to go, you know, yeah. with, with the Bachelorette and, you know, my profile being a little higher, obviously I know that there's interest, um, but, you know, I'm still under contract. I, I love being at Ring of Honor. And we'll just, you know, we'll just see how it goes. Like I said, you never say never about anything in this business. Yeah. Gotcha. Question number five. Favorite, Jeez, five questions. Favorite thing to do with <laughs> McKenzie? Uh, favorite thing to do with McKenzie? Uh, man, we do so much. We, uh, I think, I tell you what, I think our new favorite thing to do, because we just started doing this, because I, I thought I'd be a terrible parent if I took her with me. But we do Bikram Yoga together now. Like I'm a Bikram yoga addict. Uh, I think it's one of the things that has allowed me to have a 16 year wrestling career with relatively very, very few injuries. Um, I still feel fantastic. My joints and my, you know, it's so it's, a, it's preventative medicine and it's, it's amazing. So she asked me one day, she's like, you know, dad, I want to go to yoga with you. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. It's hot. I don't want, you know, I don't, I don't want to kill my kid by bringing her to, to hot yoga. Yeah, uh, and, and let me tell you, she went in there and kicked ass. Uh, I mean, it's un, it was unbelievable. I couldn't be more proud. That's awesome. So, uh, you know, we we definitely do. We're doing that once a week now, and uh, you know, outside of that, like we cook together. We she's she's uh, she likes to play video games, so we play Street Fighter. I mean, she's. <laughs> she's my, she's my right hand. He likes a lot. You know, it's it's funny you people. You know, don't really understand. I mean, I guess they see a little bit, but like she's she's for real. Like like my little best friend. Question number six. Finish this sentence. If it weren't for going on the Bachelorette, I never would have blank. I never would have met Lee. <laughs> well that's true uh well, i never would have you know what i never but I, I will say that i never would have met uh just an amazing group of dudes who uh who at this point like i really couldn't imagine my life without as crazy as it is you know we are uh, i don't know if there's ever been a season of the bachelorette where where as many guys have still kind of just clicked up like this rose boys thing is a real thing <laughs> it's, it's it is not a game in any way shape or form it's a real thing and the rose boys so, is what 12 of you that are on a group chat yeah every day or whatever just chiming so in. um it, it's just you know it, it's crazy i did not I, I went on the bachelorette like not looking for friends it was not not even going to be social you know cordial or whatever but hey, we're not gonna have any friends i'm not gonna let anybody like stab me in the back or whatever and just and I and I made brothers, so that's good. I would have never done that. Question number seven: Is there a guy this season that you thought got eliminated much earlier than he thought he than you thought he would? And on the flip side, someone that lasted longer than you thought they would? Uh, I think Diggy got eliminated a lot earlier than I thought he would have. 
Um, and he did know, well for himself on Paradise, so he he got yeah, to make up yeah. for it. Yeah, he did. You know, Diggy Diggy got to show who Diggy Dig really is. Yeah, uh, we, we is saw good. none of him on on the three episodes that he was on on Bachelorette. Like he was nowhere to be found. Right. So, and based off of you know how you could see how he was on Bachelor in Paradise, obviously you know you could see how there would be a shock. Like, damn, Diggy left. You know, because Diggy's got it. You know, Diggy's got his shit together. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look. <laughs> Let's just call it what it is. I this isn't can he stir no shit or say anything, but I think we know who lasted way longer than he had any right to be there. <laughs> just based off of which if we're checking boxes here, dog, that's all I'm saying. Okay, so you want to throw Matt under the bus. I hear you. No. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I, I didn't say his name for a reason, Steve. <laughs> Well, you were talking. You're talking about Lee, right? I'm assuming. Who's that? Were you talking about? Wait, were you really talking about Matt or Lee? I was. Uh, like, I was talking about Matt. I was definitely not talking about Matt. Matt was is one of one of the unsung heroes of uh, of Rachel's season. A lot of people don't know how dope Matt really is. Yeah. No. Okay. So Lee, we got you. Um, okay. Question number eight. Your biggest screw up in the ring, whether it was on the mic or actually during a match, where you were the one that botched the spot. Um, yeah, okay, so, like, my second match ever in Ring of Honor, uh, ever, it's, like, 2008, I think, uh, and this is in Chicago, this is a big show, uh, and this is just, it's a lot, a lot of major, major stuff going on, this is my, like, my debut, uh, and I, uh, I'm in a tag match with a guy, and I, you know, I get the tag, and I'm, doing a bunch of moves, doing a bunch of moves. So at this point, uh, ROH had a feeder system from Florida called FIP, Full Impact Pro. And I was living in Florida, and I was working for FIP. That's how I got an opportunity to go to Ring of Honor. That's important for this reason. So I go, you know, doing my moves, doing my moves. I go to do a springboard, which is where you jump up, and you are standing not on the rope on the turnbuckle, but you're actually standing on the rope itself, and you spring on, you jump onto the guy uh, that's in the ring. Was, and uh, and I completely ate shit on the springboard. Like went up before it, right leg got up, and for what felt like seventeen minutes, uh, I couldn't get my left leg up. Tumbled into the ring like a bag of shit, and the not only did the crowd boo me, they started chanting FIP. Now that's not to say how awesome FIP was. That was take your ass back to FIP. Yeah, uh, yeah. my very first you know big Ring of Honor show. I wanted to kill myself. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be, again, people that don't understand it. Like when you watch Monday Night Raw, at least on the East Coast and Central Coast and Central Time Zone, that stuff is happening live. So any screw-ups, they can't start over or you're not seeing anything on tape. This is live on Monday nights. And, yeah, if you, you and trust me, wrestling fans have become savvy enough now. The second you botch a spot in the ring or screw up or – are a poor wrestler and have poor wrestling skills, you will hear about it. And, you know, the biggest chant is everyone says you fucked up. Like, that's what the big yeah, chant is, you know. But they, they are quick on the draw with that one. They oh, yeah. Don't, they don't <laughs> spare that at all. Uh, question number nine. Explain to everyone what Swole Mates is. What Swole Mates? Which what? Swole Mates. What Swole? Swole Mates. Yeah. Uh, so Swole Mates is an idea that I have for a movie with The Rock. Um where basically <clears throat> it's two guys that uh, have very low self-esteem um, at the beginning of the movie, very bad uh, you know, luck with the ladies. There's not a whole lot going on, and they both find the gym, and they both find each other in the gym. And it's like stepbrothers, but in the gym with, with meatheads. And uh, it's, it's fantastic. I'm writing it now. And all I just need is everybody just to bug the rock, and we'll get and, uh, and we'll get it. You know, we'll, we'll get it made. So you're actually writing a script for a movie that you want to yeah, star in with I'm the rock. A screenplay. Okay. Yeah, I'm writing a screenplay for Kenny King and the Rock. Okay. Well, that'd be great if it came to fruition. Right. That'd be awesome. I think so too. That's why hey, every bachelor nation. Let's make this yeah. thing happen. Swole mates, just like Swole Step Brothers, but in the it's gym. Like, uh, it's Step Brothers ish, but it's yeah. you know it's 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 about what happens when. 
when two guys find self-esteem and each other. There you go. Uh, question number 10 is what I call explain your tweet. Now, a lot of your tweets are just wrestling promotions and stuff like that, so we're going to change it to word association. I'm going to give you names of guys, and you just one word. First thing that comes to your mind, one word to describe them or whatever comes to your mind. All right. First guy, Dean. Sweetheart. Waboom. <laughs> oh, wait, your phone cut there. Say that again for Waboom. Uh, crazy. Crazy. Uh, Josiah. Ligator. <laughs> Matt. Hero. Jack. Jack. Boy. <laughs> what, what was it, Jack? No. Jackie boy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, Brian. <laughs> uh, Dr. Abs. Peter. Hello, We'll try that again. Peter. Painter. Interesting. He's a painter? Yeah, Peter. Yeah, Peter busted out. Uh, Peter asked for an easel in Denmark. And I was so like, he could paint? About to draw. <laughs> he's about to paint some bullshit. And I'm about to clown Peter for it. And he painted a beautiful picture of a rose, actually. Like, it was, I was very, very impressed. It was very nice. Wow. Iggy. Uh, mask off. Mask off? Yeah, uh, we, no matter where we are on the planet, uh, wherever we are, and that song comes on, we FaceTime each other. <laughs> so, it, 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 sometimes it results in, like, why the fuck is Iggy FaceTime? Oh, that's why. Uh, okay. <laughs> and then finally, Eric. Positivity. Well, there you go. You've completed. Oh, I'll do one final one. AJ Styles. Fucking phenomenal. <laughs> you had to. You had to put phenomenal in there. There's no doubt. I had to. It's yeah. the truth, bro. Um, it's it's not understating him at all. Yeah, it's ama- It's it's so amazing to me. Having been a wrestling fan, I had never seen an AJ Styles match in my life because I never. I didn't watch Impact when he was there, and I. But all you heard about was this guy. This guy. And I just never thought I would ever take to him. And it's amazing how long of a journey it took for that guy. Kind of like how Sting, for all those years, just never went to WWE. It is kind of the same for AJ. Like all these years he's been in the business and has been headlining around the world that this guy never had a WWE match until whatever he came in, two, three years ago at the Royal Rumble, whatever it was. It's amazing. Um, this guy is better than advertised. Like. I knew nothing about him going in other than his name and the hype around him. But watching him, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get it now with him. Great wrestler. Yeah. Great performer. He's he's, he's amazing. So, Kenny, yeah. we are we have finally completed this. Thank you so much uh, for coming on, man. I, I really appreciate it. I'm glad we touched on a lot of subjects. I'm glad. Uh, I'm thankful to you for being as open and honest as you were and candid about things. So, um, oh, no worries, man. That's kind of my deal. You got it. Uh, thank you for coming on, man. I, I appreciate it, and uh, we will be in touch. Okay, Steve. Take care, man. Later. Bye. Thanks again to Kenny for that. Um, just like I ex- suspected with him. I mean, this guy's about as real as you can get. I uh, really enjoyed that interview with him. He's one of my favorites from Rachel's season, and I usually don't have a lot of people – that are favorites, but you could just tell this was a, a genuinely good guy and his wrestling background. Like I said, I could do a two hour podcast with him just talking about the business itself, what he's been through, what his goals are, where he's headed. We touched on a couple of those things, but yeah. Um, thank you so much to Kenny for coming on. He was great. And I hope you all enjoyed the last two weeks with that. So for the last three podcasts, uh, we've split it up into two uh, per week. 
I, I don't think I'm going to be doing that too much anymore. It was just something I wanted to try out. It was an experiment. Uh, I'm not saying it didn't work or it did work. I'm just saying that um, sometimes over two weeks, it just it becomes a little bit uh, – some things get lost. If Put it this way. If the Kenny King interview wasn't separated out over two weeks, I probably wouldn't have screwed up the last four minutes of last week's podcast where I had it edited and I'd already deleted it and stuff like that. So – um, and I almost, almost deleted part two of this interview. It was actually in, I actually did put it in my recycle bin, um, on my desktop. I just hadn't, thank God, hadn't emptied my recycle bin. So it looks like we're probably just going to do, you know, your regular, just, um, you know, even if it's an hour, hour and a half, two hour interview, we're just going to rip through it in one episode. Maybe down the road we'll do a, we'll do a two parter or something like that, but, um, just wanted to experiment for a little bit. That was it. So thanks again to Kenny for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you all for listening. We're over uh, 5 million views or 5 million downloads for the podcast uh, since we started this thing back in December. Coming up on one year. This was podcast number 45. It's unbelievable to me to think uh, that I've done that many because there was a while there where I was just like, I don't know who my next guest is going to be. Uh, but they've uh, been all very receptive and people seem to be enjoying the podcast. So we're going to keep it up. Again, thank you for tuning in. I am Reality Steve, and we will talk to you next week. See you.